You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode number 43 called Adding Virtual Professional Development into Your School's Culture. In this episode, Nick and I welcome two expert guests on the topic of virtual professional development. We go over several characteristics that you can find within good quality virtual professional developments, as well as provide you with a plethora of different virtual professional development ideas. Check it out. We're back here for episode 43. Uh, it's one that I'm extra excited for. Guys, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing fantastic. We have two wonderful guests in the field of ed tech coaching that we have on the show today. I'm, I'm very excited about our topic. Our topic today is going to be all about virtual professional development and ways that we can incorporate that into our practice as tech coaches. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've had a guest on the show. Summertime's always tough to kind of pin people down, but now we're back at school. We're making connections, and we're excited to bring uh, some experiences from other uh, amazing professionals to you guys today, all within this kind of framework of uh, virtual PD, which is obviously a really exciting space and something that we're crazy interested in. Uh, so we've got Joe, and Joe, please correct me on your last name if I'm wrong, but Joe Valver, is that how we say that? Hit the nail on the head there. All right, and then Kara Flodman, Flodman? Flodman, I say Flodman, it's probably... Flodman, but. All right, Kara Flodman, uh, thank you guys for being on the show. I think we want to start off and just kind of let you introduce yourselves, talk to us a little bit about uh, your current positions and what you do and, and how you got there and some of the stuff that you're uh, you're interested in and passionate about. So maybe, Kara, uh, if we could start with you. Sure. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having us. We're really excited. This is like our first podcast experience, so we're noobs over here. I am currently an instructional technology facilitator in Hamilton. Township, New Jersey. I started out as an eighth grade social studies teacher in New Jersey. I was there for about 10 years. Um, I kind of got into tech when they showed up at my classroom door with a cart full of Chromebooks. And I figured I should probably learn how to use these in my classroom. And nobody really told me anything about it. So I started doing a lot of research on Twitter and I kind of became the unofficial uh, Google guru slash tech integrator in my school. The admin asked me to do a lot of PD and I just figured it was something that I kind of wanted to continue doing. So when this position opened, that's kind of how I got into the tech coaching um, position. So I started out as a social studies teacher and ended up in a technology department, which isn't a real typical traveling path for a teacher, but I love it here and Joe and I always have a good time. <laughs> that's that's awesome. A couple things I heard you say there is you went to Twitter. So I'm guessing that you have a Twitter handle. Uh, can you share I that do. with us? Miss Edutech is my Twitter handle. All right, we will put that in the show notes. The other thing is we have uh, something similar in the fact that Chromebook a Chromebook cart came to your classroom. I was the one to pilot it at my school as well. And uh, I guess that's when I kind of got turned on to tech um, more than what I was before. I was a science teacher, and uh, then I started to use a lot of tech to enhance 
the the classroom. So let's switch uh, over to you, Joe. Uh, tell us a little yeah. bit about yourself. Give us your Twitter handle, and we'll go from there. Sure. My uh, Twitter handle is not as creative as Kara's, unfortunately. No Mr. Edutech here. Uh, it's jvalver underscore htsd. All right, we will put that in the show notes, but I just want to add that I think that that, that handle is still available if you want to switch over. No, thank you. <laughs> yes, I don't think my wife would approve. <laughs> I just meant the name. You're a mister, so it does work. Um, so a little different um, than kind of what you and Kara were talking about uh, in that kind of the Chromebook carts came to your classrooms. I come from a tech background and it's kind of unique in this ed tech coach um, field. Uh, instead of getting that cart, I was the one pushing the cart into the room saying, here you go. Oh, Here's so, the new technology. <laughs> so I have um, prior to working in education, I worked uh, for the Apple retail stores. I was a trainer and worked at the Genius Bar for five years. And that's where I got a lot of my passion for using technology um, with education. A lot of my customers were teachers uh, and even students coming in to work on projects for school uh, that utilized their Macs that they had purchased. And in fact, one of my customers kind of said, man, it would be great to have someone like you in our tech department to kind of help me throughout the day. And so I started looking into different um, tech positions, found myself uh, in Lindenwald School District down in South Jersey doing just tech support. And through that, I was able to kind of take it, run with it, started doing PDs on Google after school and faculty meetings, teaching uh, teachers how to use Google Sites with their students. Uh, I created a laptop manager program for students where they got to keep track of the cards, make sure everything was working properly, and they got to learn and spend time with me learning about computers, taking them apart. Uh, and that really is kind of, I think, what bolstered me to uh, this current position that Kara and I are in, in Hamilton, where we get to support 24 buildings of uh, teachers and students with the use of technology in the classroom. So I think being in this position now for three years and Kara being in it for a year and a half, we've really seen a lot of different things and had a lot of neat opportunities within our position, uh, especially the topic at hand today. That's awesome. I like I like your your story, Joe, because it is usually what you hear more, at least in uh, my experience with guys and myself even now, is like you were you start off as a teacher and then all of a sudden, like you said, Kara, you sort of become like, oh, I guess I'm the tech person now because I just happen to be the one that figured out these Chromebooks. That's kind of mm -hmm. how it happened for me and guys, but it's cool that you actually have that more technical background. So I think yeah. that might probably bring a lot to the table. Before we leave our little intro segment here, I just want to jump back to uh, each of you for one extra thing. We were talking a little bit be before the the show and Kara, you are involved in a really exciting program. I believe it's called the Google Innovator Program. So, may, could you just let us know a little bit about the uh, general information about that process and how you got it and, and what you think this could mean for you? I'm super excited to go to the Google Innovator Academy in next week, actually. I'm part of the NYC19 cohort. So, you could search the Hashtag on Twitter if you want to see what it's all about. Uh, Google innovators have to be a level one and a level two certified educator. Basically what the program is, it, it's actually a year long cohort that you become a member of. And 
you're able to attend an academy somewhere in the world. I think they have like one on each continent per year or something like that. And there's about 40 members that are picked for each cohort. So it's a really, really small competitive group of people. Um, When you go to the academy, basically you're learning about design thinking and you have to come up with a challenge that Google is going to help you see through over the next year. So once you become accepted, you are given a coach and a small team of like six people who you're kind of going to go through the academy with. Um, and they're going to provide you feedback and support on whatever is your challenge. Uh, my challenge happens to focus around professional development. That's kind of one of the passions of mine. Um, so I have a coach from North Jersey and some teammates from all over the world, which is really exciting. I'm not really sure what we're going to do at the academy, but each week they send us emails with new homework assignments to prepare us to go. And uh, this week we're all sort of redefining and nailing down our challenges a little bit further. They call it a how might we statement. So you're you're looking at a challenge, you know, in education, but can also be in the world that, you know, somebody can help you solve. So they're taking you through this whole design thinking process to really just grow your challenge in in some way and implement it over the next year with some assistance and mentorship of people that can kind of help you do something big. So I don't know what my big thing is going to be yet, but it's really exciting to kind of have that on the horizon of, you know, the opportunities that are in front of you. So that sounds really, really awesome. Uh, I'm kind of jealous. So am I. I I think I might try to apply in a future year. Definitely do. But, uh, at the end of your your journey, you get to share your final product. So maybe we'll have to have you back on once you're done to kind of yes. go over what you came up with. We're very interested. You gave us a little cliffhanger there. <laughs> so, uh, Joe, let's uh, switch over to you. And I know that I saw you at ISTE. I think both yeah. of you were at ISTE and you were presenting. Uh, Nick and I, we presented and we went through the application process and we were lucky enough to be selected, but you guys took another way to kind of get down there and be able to present. Can you go over that a little bit? Sure, sure. So just uh, like you guys, we uh, had a topic, we had an idea that we actually, is the topic we're here to talk about today, that we presented at Texpo, which is kind of a smaller version of ISTE for the state of New Jersey, hosted in Atlantic City every year. And we presented our topic uh, at Texpo about taking PD virtually. And we got a lot of good feedback from that uh, that presentation, as well as just from our own administration with what we actually did in the district that we had, hey, let's try and share it on a bigger scale. So we applied um, and submitted our proposal for ISTE. Unfortunately, we didn't get accepted. But one of the nice things that ISTE offers is for those people that didn't get accepted, they give you the opportunity to submit your proposal for something called People's Choice. And what you basically do is you take that presentation that you wanted to do at ISTE, whichever format it might be, and you get to post it and viewers and attendees can go vote for the sessions that they want to see at ISTE. So they get a little snippet about what that session is going to be about. And it's basically just a vote that runs up until, I don't know, maybe a certain certain day. It was like a a couple months prior to um, the convention. And we were fortunate enough to be one of the top presentations to get a vote. 
and we got to present as well. Uh, that That's awesome. Uh, I really like how ISTE gives a second chance. It's almost like second mm-hmm. chance learning, but second chance uh, presenting there. So a little bit about Joe and Kara that we, uh, we got to find out. Uh, you guys are obviously qualified for today's episode, which is virtual PD, and we're going to get in that in just a moment. You can follow Got Teched outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at We Got Teched. All right. So, Joe, Kara, Nick and I like to play games. We're very competitive, and I have a feeling because you guys work together that maybe you are competitive. I don't know, but we are. So, even if you're not, you're going to play a game right now, and I hope you're okay with it. If not, this could be a terrible segment. We'll see. <laughs> But uh, what we did is we went out and we found the top 10. So the top 10 characteristics of virtual professional development. I'm not 100% sure if it if some of our sources <laughs> specialized on virtual, but it is the top 10 characteristics of professional development. And a lot of times they carry over for virtual. So what we're going to do is we're going to pit you guys against each other. If you want to make it a competition between you two, that's fine. I'm telling you right now, I picked Kara to win. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but, uh, and, and Nick obviously went with Joe cause yep. we can't yeah, pick thanks. the same person. Thanks, I don't yeah, want I you to it. think that you were just last pick in gym class there. Cause that's all right. it was my turn to pick first and she's sitting on the same side of the screen yeah. as I am. So, all right. So Kara, get us started. Give us one characteristic of professional development that you think is uh, most important. I'd say as a teacher, something that was always important to me was that PD was relevant to my job. I hated sitting in stuff that had nothing to do with anything that I was ever going to need to do. So definitely relevance would be my top guess. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you hit the number one answer. So if this was, if this was a, uh, uh, what is that? What is that game show? Uh, not the press. Family Feud. Right? Thank you. The Family yes. Feud. It's, I haven't had my coffee either. But one answer. If, if it was number Family Feud, answer. you would have got the number one answer. And I guarantee you, your family would have Yeah, you would have played on that one. So if we had a buzzer, though, I would have been in a lot faster because mm. that was going to be my first guess. All right. I, Joe, I believe you. I don't know why, but I did. <laughs> So let's just talk about it a, a little bit. Sure. This is the number one complaint that I hear from teachers when oh, yeah. when a professional development does not go right is that it's not relevant to my curriculum. It's not relevant to my content area or my topic. Uh, therefore, they lose interest and yep. they start grading papers in the audience. Yep. Do you guys find the same thing there? Absolutely. I think one of the things that we try and steer away from the most is coming into a professional development with a group of people that had no choice other than to sit with us. Even if what we're doing could be life altering and change how they perform in the classroom, if they didn't have a say in what they were doing, that can help bring it down the level of the professional development just as much as not being relevant. I, I totally agree. I remember doing the professional development on Google Docs, uh, the, the first 
I don't know, two months that it was out. And everyone was like, no, I use Word. Why, <laughs> why fix it? Or why try to change it? It's not broken, that type of yeah. thing. And then once I showed them that they could collaborate, they were interested. So one of the biggest things as a tech coach is that we, we need to nail at the beginning of the professional development is to show teachers how it is relevant to all mm -hmm. content areas. And if you could do that, I think you're pretty golden. All right, so let's go over to you, Mr. Joe. Sure. Um, I think something that is big in any PD, I would assume virtual as well, is being hands-on or interactive. There needs to be some sort of some element of that professional development that gets the teachers involved. Yeah, that was definitely one of the things that made our list. We called it being active, but within that, of course, being interactive and hands-on. Just in our experience, we've we've kind of run both types, guys, and definitely the ones where people get up. I mean, as teachers, we know this, right, with, with our own classrooms, but when, when teachers... If teachers are your audience, it's the same thing. It's just more interesting. It's more exciting. And it's, uh, I think the learning also happens at a deeper level. Going with that, uh, let's, let's think about it. Why would we teach differently to our students as tech coaches, our regular teachers, than what we would to our students? A lot of times we get a, yeah. we get into bad habits and poor practice by you know making that that lecture type field a professional development, and I think that we really need to you know hop in there and kind of practice what we preach a little bit. And I know that we're sometimes guilty of that because of time crunches and things like that. But I. I I know Nick didn't mention this, and I'm pretty sure it's because, uh, you know, he's losing right now in my mind. Uh, that was number three. <laughs> so I see, you know, Karen and I are up right now. There. I'm just saying. Oh, but God. Pressure's on now. I've got, I've got my next one already. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Probably number two. I Wait, think so, Joe's okay. talking right now because he's stalling. Gotcha. Yeah, he's, he's pointing. They both made the list, and we made it up higher on the list. If this is Family Feud, we'd be playing right now. I didn't know there was a <laughs> ranking. I feel like this, Joe, this game's rigged. Ah, good one. <laughs> Making it up as you go along, Eric. All right, Karen, number two. What's your second choice? Well... I don't know if my second choice made the list, but it's important to me and how I give professional development. But I like to always have some sort of choice. So making sure that teachers' voices are heard in either what they're choosing to attend or what they're choosing to learn at my PD. So being able to give multiple options to sure that it is relevant. So I guess it all kind of goes together. And Joe even mentioned it earlier in his discussion about including choice. So I'm going to go with choice. It did make the list. We have very ah. vague categories. They're very broad. It's number <laughs> it's number five and it's under flexibility. All right. Okay. Uh, we also included asynchronous and synchronous learning types and convenience. So this would be uh, whether or not you're they're doing part of it at school, then going home and finishing it or whatever it may be. They're doing it on their own time. So I, I know on Sunday mornings, I like to wake up, drink a cup of coffee, and then try to do some type of PD as long as uh, my three kids aren't climbing all over me. Or But they usually get their Sunday morning cartoons in. <laughs> And I'm good for at least a half an hour, so that that would be a time which I would use it. Let's uh, so let's two for Kara. Let's switch back over to Joe. See if we can keep it a tie game. Do you have another one in mind, sir? I do, and I'm surprised she didn't go with this because she's always bringing it up as well. I think with any professional development, and it kind of goes with being relevant, but it needs to be goal driven. There needs to be something set and established that is going to come out of it. Why the teachers want to do it whether it be they're going to create something to bring back into the classroom, a lesson, an activity, 
there has to be an end goal, a reason why they're there. Yeah, that's that's a good one. And it, I think that one made the list too. We kind of called this um, in doing our own research connected to initiatives or connected to school initiatives. But I think we're kind of saying the same thing different mm-hmm. ways. There has to be a goal. And and if that if the goal that's in mind there, I'm sure if it's an experience that you're doing through your school or if it's just something you're pursuing, then that goal would be connected to those initiatives. It just makes it seem a little bit more important. And obviously, if you don't feel like you're going to have some kind of end product that's going to be helpful to you or your district or your classroom it doesn't hold a lot of value so that's that's maybe the most important one out of this whole list another way that i like to look at this is goals are something that you accomplish over time and Mm -hmm. pd should be over time uh it's it's if it becomes something that you could just check off right away it's nothing more than a checklist and usually it it doesn't you know it doesn't last for a long time. It just kind of comes and goes. I just want to make the point that Nick said that, you know, that's one of the most important ones and it should be up there. He didn't tell you it was number six. So Tara <laughs> did kind of, you know, beat you by one again. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just stating the truth. That's fact. I don't know. Number, number Sorry, six was a mistake. That should have been at the top of whatever. <laughs> All right, right. let's keep this ball rolling. Kara, hit us with the number two or the number four. Oh, uh, man, this is tough. Um, I'm thinking collaboration might be on your list. I think it's really important that teachers are working together through professional development and, you know, not just working alone. You know, more brains are better than one. So we should be working together and building on important lessons and creating new things as a team and not trying to take on everything by ourselves. So I'm going to go with collaboration. Yep. That was also on the list. Number seven, though, oh. point for me there, now that we're ranking these things. Uh, but that's, I mean, yeah, obviously, I, I like how you kind of hit on too. could be collaboration in the moment while you're there getting to talk to other people. A lot of the times, uh, I'm sure you guys feel the same way. That's where you get the most from a PD experience is just sitting and talking to other teachers yeah. and finding out what they're doing. Another part of that, uh, especially with virtual PD, is the sort of the ongoing collaboration experience yep. where you make contacts and you get to speak to with these people and work work with these other professionals uh, over time and kind of grow those relationships and, and build your learning in that way. So collaboration, definitely really important. So I will throw this out there. If you get the number two answer, you'll win, Joe. Oh, if, come on. If, if you get the number four, you'll tie. Okay. And if you get any of the other ones, you know, we're taking the trophy today. All right. Uh-oh. Um, I probably, uh, prob- you're probably going to take the trophy on this one, Karen. <laughs> but it goes along with a little bit what you touched on earlier is that I think professional development needs to build on itself. There needs to be a progression um, within it. It, it. The one-offs, you leave and what do you do with it? You're not coming back. You're not building upon it. So I think building over time with professional development um, is crucial to making it meaningful. Yeah, I'm going to just throw this out there because you both had a smirk at the same time. Before you answered, I think there's some uh, texting going on or something. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, tell, I'm telling you what, that that's suspect at best. But uh, I think Joe and Nick are texting on the side. I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> But it that was our number four answer. So you guys actually tied. Uh, oh, we called all it. Right, all right. We Fair actually enough. called it sustained over time. So that is the number four. So real quick, uh, let's go over the four that weren't selected that made the top ten. And number two was relevant to skill level, uh, which 
you know, that's a big one. It yeah. is a big yeah. one. It deserves oh. to be the number two spot. And uh, so if you make something too easy, you're going to bore the mm-hmm. people that are advanced. If you make things uh, too hard, you're going to uh, really have the, the uh, beginners, uh, people yep. that aren't as comfortable with technology kind of grade papers. I know that's my go-to, but <laughs> when you go to a PD, how many times do you see teachers in the back grading papers? All the time. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was number two. Number eight is you need some type of an expert presenter. They need to be respected, or people need to know them for knowing tech. They have to have confidence in them. Number nine is a sound infrastructure. So if you don't have, if you're trying to do a professional development that requires Wi Fi and you're struggling in that department, you know, it's probably not great to have that type of PD there. And the last one, you have to teach the way that teachers learn. So teach how you teach adults. And that's another big one. Frustration sets in a lot when uh, you go to teach technology to someone that's not what I call tech comfortable. I have a tech comfortable, tech uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> All right. So we've got a tie game between Kara and Joe. I'm, I'm disappointed because I always like to beat Geist, but I suppose in yeah. the spirit of the day, what that's actually mean? pretty nice. Let me just oh, toss it in there that uh, Kara did get the number one answer. So that was a tiebreaker. We <laughs> Unbelievable. He's Folks, he's just making up these rules as we go along. However, we have seen some really cool stuff so far bunch of really great things to reference for your next PD that you're planning or attending, some stuff to look for. We've already learned about the Google Innovator Program and uh, the People's Choice option for your next application to the ISTE presentation. We've got one more segment with Kara and Joe where we can actually hear about some specific virtual PD experiences that maybe you can learn from as well, so stay tuned. So we're here for our final segment with Kara and Joe. Usually our last segment is my favorite one because it's where we get into the specifics, the actual things uh, that people can kind of reference after the show and look up and and, uh, find more information about. And this episode will be no exception. We're going to take a look at some examples of virtual PD projects. And I know Kara and Joe have a lot to talk about here. That's pretty much why we had them on uh, this particular episode. So whichever one of you wants to start off first, just any kind of virtual PD that you guys have been a part of that you want to talk about or that um, you're planning on uh, putting together yourselves uh, to give people some uh, good examples here today? So one of the things that I had mentioned earlier with our ISTE presentation was uh, our virtual PD going virtual. And one of the things that we did in our district that got us to present at ISTE was taking a lot of the Google application professional developments that we were doing in person and taking them virtual, going online with them and giving teachers an option and a choice of when they wanted to do it and how they wanted to take our professional development. Um, It was something that came up actually because of Kara. Uh, Kara was at the time taking um, courses online to complete her master's in instructional technology. And that's kind of what got the ball rolling. Yeah. So I was doing my master's fully online at uh, New York Institute of Technology. And I figured like we could do this. (laughs) Um, And I thought it was a good way to provide a lot of those things that we talked about in good professional development. It gives teachers choice. It gives them relevance. It gives them an opportunity to collaborate gives them, you know, the time to do it on their own. We used all Google applications to sort of 
not only create our PD, but also model how teachers could use the same things in their classroom. And our biggest concern to make it relevant for teachers was how can we have the teachers create something within our course that they can take into their classroom in the upcoming school year and use it immediately. So we didn't want them to create things that they were never going to use. We wanted them to create a Google Doc or a Google Form or a Google Site that they could take into the classroom and use immediately. And you know, like I said, everything was done through Google Classroom. We used HyperDocs. Joe and I and our other facilitator, Chris, we commented, we gave feedback, we tried to start discussions. Uh, it was a long planning stage, but I think what we got, you know, what we got from it and what we were able to provide the teachers that were really interested in it was was awesome. And we got a lot of amazing feedback. I think what really made me excited was when a teacher tweeted a picture of her on vacation, sitting outside her hotel room with her laptop, doing our course. That's and cool. That's that definitely just cool. really, that was like my dream. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted people to feel like, hey, I have, you know, a free hour. My kids are out playing, you know, I just want to sit here and I'm going to learn something new for an hour. And here we go. And it was like the perfect example of exactly what we were shooting for. So we, we did something similar. We, we made it a badge system uh, over here where we picked a whole bunch of different tech tools, including G Suite. But then we went out to like Flipgrid and Edpuzzle and Classroom Q and uh, Edgy Notes and things like that. And we made badges showing them. Usually it started with an intro video of the piece of technology and then it went into some ways that you can use it. And then it asked them to reflect on ways that they could use that tech tool and then include it in their lesson plan as a piece of evidence. And then they could either invite a tech coach out, uh, a supervisor, um, or a peer to watch them implement it. And then they would earn a badge. So something very similar. We wanted to make it so, you know, through and through it would probably take somewhere between an hour and two for the whole process to happen. So, and uh, we got a very good response last year um, with it. So we decided to expand on our badges this year, which was pretty cool. But there are a lot of teachers that really like it. There's always that 10%, 5% that anything technology comes up, you know, they're gonna throw up the white flag and surrender right away. Uh, but even some of those teachers are, are learning to, you know, go through some of these badges and develop their tech skills. And I see them using it in their classroom. And that to me is my takeaway moment. I think uh, it gets at one of the, um, the things we talked about in segment two, which is qualities of good PD. And really with an online program like this that you guys described, it's the ultimate in flexibility. And I think while people initially sometimes have a bad reaction, like, ah, now I got to sit on my free time and, you know, <clears throat> mm -hmm. watch this video. I think once they try and realize that it's, it's there to help you, it's there to fit in with your schedule. And there may be built in time during your workday, even where you can do some of these things, if you're really concerned about uh, finding the time for it. Uh, I think almost everybody will find that it's uh, way more beneficial. So I'm kind of glad that you pointed that out. One of the other things that was really, ex I thought was such a great idea, we we're just talking a little bit before the show, uh, was the, the, I think you called it a meet and eat program. Could you guys walk us through that? I just think this yeah. is like a no brainer for any tech coach or school district out there. Sure. So Kara and myself, one of the ways we met Eric was from uh, a group that we belong to called NJTC, New Jersey Ed Tech Coaches. And one of the things that everybody's talking about all the time 
is uh, this idea of a lunch and learn and going into faculty lounge or meeting with teachers on their lunch periods and kind of just talking with them, going over a few things while they eat lunch, sharing some ideas, nothing um, very formal, just a way to kind of, hey, we have some shared time. You want to learn something new? And Kara and I, we, we love this idea. But for us, there's only three of us that support 24 buildings. And to try and get around, we were having a lot of issues finding time to hit all these schools to be around um, enough. So uh, we came up with this idea called Meet and Eat, and it's a play on words. Uh, we use Google Meet to host little 10, 15 minute segments throughout the lunch periods uh, on a given day each week that cover a certain topic. Uh, for instance, one topic was just the simple command of Shift Z for helping teachers organize or submit lesson plans through Google Drive. Uh, and we would just redo this session throughout all the lunch periods and teachers could join on Google Meet, whether it was their cell phone, their laptop, a computer in the faculty lounge. It didn't matter what device they were on or, or what location they were in. As long as they had access to the app and an internet connection, they could sit in and participate in this little interactive how-to or sometimes they were tips. Uh, and it gave us the capability because of an internet connection and an application, the ability to reach a lot more people. So, I mean, this sounds like an amazing idea. I haven't, when I first saw Meet and Eat on our show notes, I was like, all right, lunch and learn, cool. But you really, you know, took it to a new level with the virtual there. And how is your response to these uh, Meet and Eats? Sure. So we uh, started doing it, I would say, the last month or two of the school year last year. Um, so it took a little kind of time for people to get aware of hey, this is something that's happening. But I think word of mouth and the more people found out, especially administrators, now that they're realizing, oh, wow, these tips are really useful and beneficial, they're reminding their staff. And I think once you get administration buying into, hey, this is something that is going to help not only you guys, but it's helping me. You should check it out. It's only going to grow from there. So we're actually planning um, to start in October. But uh, typically, we, we cut back on our sessions. We were running them throughout the whole, we did about 10 sessions throughout all the lunch periods. We cut it back after the first month to I think four. And we would get usually between five to 10 people each session. Uh, and we're, we're hoping to grow from there. For a start, that, that's pretty good. I mean, sometimes it, it takes a long time to set a tech trend within your school. Uh, so that's awesome. So you, all, you guys also listed that you like to create PD playlists. Is that part of the meet and eat process or is this something else that you guys are coming up with? So we were looking, so our online course is actually pretty, what's the word we, I'm looking we, for? It's we, pretty involved. It's a four week course. We have three different courses that we call A, B, and C. Um, and they're about all 12, you know, major Google applications. So when you mm -hmm. sign up, it's a pretty committed undertaking to go four weeks on a course. So it's it's a real online class. The idea behind the playlist was to cut back on some of that commitment and time and make more of like a choice board slash menu of options that teachers could try to accomplish. So it's just like a smaller version of, you know, like the online course that would still be virtual, would still be asynchronous, would still include choice, would still be relevant based on what the teachers are choosing. But it probably would only take maybe like an hour, mm -hmm. similar to like your badging system, um, just like a smaller portion of time for a teacher to investigate a new application or use in their classroom 
instead of the full four week commitment. Um, I'm hoping that teachers don't like it better than my online course, but. <laughs> so this would be almost like um, a, maybe just like a Google Doc with a series of links they could click through to quickly learn about something rather than, like you said, take your whole all online course. Is that kind of the format? Right. Yeah, more of like a, like, you know, each bullet would be like an activity based on an app and then okay. they would submit something you know, to prove that they did whatever, still in the planning stages. Yeah. So we haven't really gotten it out there. But, you know, just thinking of ways to kind of meet people where they are and scale back if they're too nervous, like we talked about in characteristics yeah. of virtual PD, if they're too nervous about skills of, you know, technology on their own or content or whatever it is that's holding them back, just scaffold it down a little bit and make it more relevant for for them. And it is something that happened. And that's kind of one of the reasons why um, we've come up with this idea of the playlist is because we've had teachers in the instance enroll in the course. And at the first week when the syllabus is posted, they go, they get overwhelmed by it and go, oh my goodness. I, yeah. Even though they can do it all at their own leisure and they have an entire month to get it done, whatever time period they want, it's still a little overwhelming for some of those teachers that are a little tech phobic or new to technology. So this is that perfect little dip your toe in the water as our coworker Chris always. So this kind of falls um, into the category of something that I saw in one of my side boxer groups uh, that I'm in for tech coaches and one uh, tech coach um, and I don't remember who it was uh, they posted a resource that they use and it's it looked like a, a menu that you would see at a restaurant and they had the appetizers so that was tasks that took you know, like 15 uh, minutes to, mm -hmm. to run through. It's like introducing them to a tech tool or something like that. And then their main course would be something that, that uh, lasted for 45 minutes to an hour. And then their, their drinks are fun little tools that they can kind of implement into their classroom if they're just looking for something to make a boring topic more fun. But I thought the way that she did that, it was very professional looking. Yeah. It looks like you could print it out and set it on a dinner table and confuse people. So. Well, the whole thing almost kind of reminds, makes me think of, we were just, Geis and I were recently talking about uh, choice boards for students, especially digital choice boards. It kind of sounds like you could flip that whole thing and use that as teacher PD as well. The same idea as a playlist or a, like you said, a learning menu, go, you know, go to the full end of the spectrum and do that. Yeah. Like a, a teacher PD choice board might be really cool. So there were a couple other things that I listed under virtual PD, and we've talked about some of these before, but I think it's worth mentioning here. And uh, a lot of times throughout the year, there are groups like the EdTech team or the Hive um, Summit people or the Q group uh, or the Strobel Summit. The three that I just mentioned, the Hive, the Q, and the Strobel, they'll all be in the show notes, but they're usually during the summertime. But there are some virtual summits and virtual PD opportunities that happen on weekends that allow you to be in your pajamas and uh you know just learning from people in short bursts it's almost like an ed camp format but online and virtual i think uh, there's some merit there that's where i learned how to do you know google drawings i i learned how to like what tools were really available through google drawings so i think that's a fantastic learning experience as well some of the other stuff i think we have to mention here in this kind of virtual pd realm the obvious one of course is podcasts 
If you're listening right now, it means you already know that because <laughs> there's so many ed tech podcasts or just teaching podcasts in general. But I just, there's just so, so, so much out there. And it really hits that flexibility super hard. And in terms of, uh, Joe, I like earlier you mentioned that sometimes an online course can be a little bit stressful. Teachers feel like they have a lot going on and they usually do. So something like that can seem overwhelming. But the extreme other version of that with a podcast is there's no pressure whatsoever. You literally click it on, listen to it on your way home. So that's just maybe the most casual option if any teachers do feel like uh, they don't have any time. It's just it just can be as simple as in your in your car ride home. Also, social media. More and more teachers are getting involved with social media. Like, uh, I mean, I know that both Joe, Kara, and I have been in the same Twitter chats before. Yep. Uh, I I definitely know that. What are some of the uh, Twitter chats that? that you guys participate in? Sure, Kara does this a lot more than I do, so I'm gonna get my two in first. Uh, one is uh, Sat Chats. That's actually hosted by uh, a, a group uh, evolving educators. Um, it's our actually superintendent, Dr. Rocco, Brad Curry, and Mike Krakenauer. Uh, Billy, Bill. Billy, Billy Krakenauer. Okay. The three of them hosted every Poor Saturday. Billy, we forgot about <laughs> The three of them hosted every Saturday morning. Uh, and it's just uh, a few questions, I think three questions each morning. And you get people from all over the country answering these questions, offering insight that you might not have thought of. So it's a great way to connect. And then the other one that I participate in every once in a while is uh, okay to ask. Uh, so if you check out my uh, Twitter handle at some point in time, you'll probably see some of those and you can find those hashtags and when they happen. Yeah, I don't really have any that I am tied to. I kind of just jump around if I see it a hashtag that's trending. I might just jump in and see what they're talking about. Our district hosts its own um, Twitter chat. It's hashtag HTSDPD. So each month they host one for our district. That's really exciting. We kind of try to get people from all over to jump in and our supervisor of elementary ELA and library media specialist runs that. So she had, she's going to have some guest moderators this year. So that'll be really fun. I think last night I jumped in on go formative. I had met the woman who was running, who runs that at ISTE over the summer. So that was kind of fun to jump in on. I always liked social studies chat, SS chat, hashtag SS chat. Cause I was a former social studies teacher. I always feel like I can always get my two cents in there somewhere. There was a P, there's a PD one run by guy who wrote, now I'm like totally blanking. He wrote the uh, professionally driven book, which kind of has a lot to do with my philosophy on professional development. So I think he does hashtag pro driven or something like that. It's a good one. Yeah. I'm kind of all over the map. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I often check into many, but I'm, there's only a couple that I'm a frequent flyer in. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is Mastery Chat. Uh, that's mm -hmm. by the uh, Teach Better team. I think they're from the middle states. They're phenomenal. I love the, their chats. They start with a, a Facebook Live like introduction, and then mm -hmm. they do the chat, and then they do a Facebook like wrap-up with whoever's the guest moderator. Um, every once in a while, I get into Matt Miller's uh, Ditch Book. And also, Jake Miller started one with his Edu Duct Tape. Uh, hashtag and that one is pretty good as well uh, another thing that I'm really starting to get into is Voxer and it, it allows a new like perspective to the yeah. online chat and that's uh, voice yeah. I, I imagine some point in time they're gonna get video in there too but um, we use Voxer to set up these sub interest groups within our large tech coach group and if you have someone that says hey I just want to host a a uh, 
a Zoom meeting on this topic, uh, podcasting or uh, choice boards or something like that, everyone would you know, join to that Zoom meeting and it would last for 30 minutes and people would take turns sharing. And it's 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 just like a, a revolution to the Twitter chat, in my opinion. Yeah. But it's it's turning out to be pretty awesome there. Yeah, we have a principal in our district who's really into Voxer. Um, he runs the four o'clock faculty Voxer group and says there is literally thousands of messages that that group has really, really exploded. We have one for my coaching group uh, through Google Innovator. I am a noob with Voxer. I'm just getting used to it. Like hearing my voice over and over again is a little creepy to me. And part of it feels like I'm just listening to voicemails over and over again. <laughs> want to answer my phone anyway so i don't want to listen to voicemails either um but last night i kind of like we had a pretty decent conversation between four of us on voxer about you know what we were packing to bring to the academy which really isn't that exciting but i was just kind of like using it to get used to what it feels like to participate in a voxer chat and i was a little like i didn't mind it i didn't hate Mm -hmm. it but um i still prefer twitter you know, over, over everything else, but it's a good option. And I like that. It's just, you know, meeting, meeting people where they are and giving them another option. And just as a side note, that Voxer chat that she was talking about for four o'clock faculty, that's Rich Chiz. It's a really great book that has a lot to do with like characteristics of successful professional development, what teachers want. So definitely check that out. If a lot of the things we're talking about today sound good to you and you want a good book to check out. That's an awesome one to look into. And he just came out with another, or he's coming out with another book too. It came out, The Secret oh, Sauce. Secret Sauce. Oh. oh, I like that title. Yeah. Shameless yes. plug. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> no, that's awesome. <laughs> one thing I want to point out about Voxer is once you start to get to know the people in your group, yes. like the way that we know NJETC, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I think you'll be more comfortable with uh, the voice aspect because you want to hear the your friends talk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot. I think it's a lot more personal than it just is. reading a, a text over it. But uh, that brings us to the end of our show. I want to thank both of you for being on oh, it. I, I think uh, this was an awesome podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you. You popped thank our you. podcast chair. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.